All right, I'm here with James Patrick. He is an award-winning photographer, best-selling author, entrepreneur coach, podcast host, public speaker. He's also the founder of Get Published Live. It's an annual conference for entrepreneurs to leverage the power of media and get featured and get business features. James on a mission to create art and opportunity for others. He's helping fitness entrepreneurs like myself get more clients and get known by getting published. James, welcome to the show, brother. What is going on, Joel? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I know a lot of people are going to benefit. I'm, 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 um, I'm a coach, and there's a lot of coaches that I know. They are going to really love to dive deep. And I think one of our biggest struggles is lead gen. So, and I know you specialize in that. But before we even get into the the nitty gritty, the tactics, I want to know, like, how how did you even get into this world? I've heard you say before that you're an imposter. You shouldn't even be here. <laughs> but I look at your life. You seem to be doing pretty well. So, how did that all transpire? I still feel like an imposter every day it's kind of like i'm a little kid who gets to dress up and pretend to go to work every day it's it's kind of the life i've curated for myself um but i like it that way it it keeps me curious uh it keeps me never fully satisfied i think because you know i can just continue to explore and have my head on a swivel and try things out and i don't really have preconceived notions of how certain businesses should be run. And maybe that means I just do things how I want them to be done. But for me, it really started, I was a journalist in college and journalism gave way to photojournalism. Um, So I I, I had developed this love of creating visual imagery. And even to this day, I'm still running my photo business. But, you know, upon graduating college, I didn't know any professional photographers. I didn't really see that as a viable career choice. I still had in the back of my head, you know, my father just saying to me, well, that's a very expensive hobby, son. Um, and expensive hobbies don't really equate to uh, revenue in my, you know, 22-year-old brain. So I took a safe job. I worked in marketing uh, and, and business development. And I did that for about seven years, but I still was doing photography. And I just couldn't let go of this side hustle until this side hustle turned into a full-time career, left the marketing job after seven years. And then it just became about how do I build this photo business? And most of my work, even to this day, was in sports and fitness. And all of these amazing individuals I was getting in front of my camera, I'm trying to create these highly marketable visual assets with. And after we create all these visual assets, I turned these photos over to my clients. And then they says, okay, well, what do I do with these photos? Like, what do you mean? What do you do with the photos? Do your thing now. I did my thing. And and they're like, well, I don't know how to market these assets. This is before Instagram and everything. You just post on Instagram, yeah. dude. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and this was like MySpace. <laughs> yeah. MySpace, Facebook. Um, and so I was like, well, I know marketing. Let me just tell you what to do. Let me tell you how to build relationships. Let me tell you how to uh, develop uh, some 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 lead gen, how to how to curate some some clients for whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, marketing is a, a very universal language. I mean, when I worked in marketing, I was doing professional service marketing for architecture, engineering and construction. This crap I was doing over there is the same crap I'm doing now, not crap, but it's the same stuff I'm doing now for, you know, for one-to-one creative services. It, it, building relationships, it's it's part of our, our human 
experience and marketing is about building relationships. So that's how I kind of brought in the, the marketing and business development side, which manifested in a few books and, and the conference and uh, coaching and, and, and a myriad of other things like my podcast. So um, really it's kind of like, it's a culmination. It's, it's how do I create great art and then how do I help my clients market that art so that they can build their brands or their visions or their goals. Yeah. What I love about your story, just, just hearing it, is you, there's so many great, successful entrepreneurs, or just people that I've encountered, and they they just went into their passion or their, you know, like your hobby, but you, they made some money, and people said, well, th this is good. I want more. And then you're mm -hmm. like, well, I could do that. I just didn't know you wanted that. And then you did more, and then people said, this is even better. I want more of this. And then you're like, well, I guess I'll create this. And you just kept creating and just creating. Like There was no idea like one day I'm going to be this amazing, famous photographer. You just kind of – you just kept doing what you needed to do, and people kept telling you what they wanted, and you delivered. I had to ask too. I think that's something that I see a lot maybe don't do is they don't actually ask people what they want. Um, you know, every year we would put out a, a survey to our top clients and you know, the survey would try to illuminate certain things like what are we doing exceptionally well? What areas could we improve upon? And then we would ask a few different questions that really were just leaning into our clients' creativity. One was, um, are there areas that we're missing? that we can serve you and that that's how we got this idea of you know bridging and marketing and, and and focusing on earned media for lead generation uh and then another question we'd ask is if you were us how would you market us um and that that brought in some really clever ideas and and really it's your clients your evangelists want to see you succeed and if you just talk to them and ask them questions. It, it is such a treasure trove of of enlightening information on what you can be doing next to better serve them. Yeah, amazing. I love that. Uh, quick, quick question. So, how were how did you get into the fitness world though? Because, like, were you just a fitness guy? Were you a big, big into sports as a kid? Like, or did they just somehow come on your lap? I mean, how did that happen and transpire? I don't have a great answer for that, and I wish I did. I wish there was some romantic story of having a lifelong passion for health and wellness. I, I like sports as much as anyone likes sports growing up. I grew up in Chicago, so, you know, I grew up with, you know, the shitty-ass Cubs and uh, seeing an iconic Bears team be decimated. But, you know, we had the Bulls for, you know, six championships, and that was fine. Um, but... It was something that I had started to get into this this idea of sports portraiture and working with athletes. I, you know, I won't say fitness at the time because that was not an industry per se. It wasn't really called fitness. I I, I just called it sports portraits. Um, whether it was college athletes or you know competitions were just kind of start, like with with female competitors, it was just kind of starting to gain some momentum, but wasn't really in motion. Uh, and I was like, well, I like shooting this thing. And here's what's interesting, though, was this was circa 2007 going into 2008, and we're going into recession. And so many of my clients, my freelance clients as a photographer, went out of business. And you know, at the time, I'm still working my marketing jobs. And I just think, well, I guess I could 
give up photography. You know, it was it was fun for the few years I did it. Uh, you know, I got my marketing career. I'll just do that. That that has the four hundred one k. That has the benefits. Um, <clears throat> that has the PTO. Uh, but I don't know. I just couldn't. So I was like, well. it's going to take too much time to do everything. I don't have that time anymore, especially if I want to succeed in my marketing career. So I'll just do one thing. And what's the one thing I like shooting more than anything else? I like shooting with athletes. I just, I just like it. Um, So I'll just do that. And that, that, that was the decision was I don't have time to do anything else. I'm busy. I'll just do this one thing. But I said, if I'm going to do this one thing, I just want to, I want to fully entrench myself in it. I want to be, that is, I want that to be my world. Um, so I was like, all right, well, who hires sports photographers? Uh, let me look at all the magazines locally. Let me look at them in, in the southwestern United States. Let me look at them nationally. What are the ad agencies that would hire this type of work? What are the commercial companies that would uh, uh, bid out photographers to shoot this type of work? And I just started calling them and was like, hey, I want to shoot this type of work. Uh this is really all I want to do. Uh, do you see an opportunity to use my work in your magazine or your company for your advertisements or, you know, for an ad agency for your, for your end user clients? And then I started picking up clients and having a very specific and niche book or portfolio um, made it very easy for clients to remember who I was versus before kind of being a jack of all trades, yeah. you know, when, when, we're in the recession and budgets are very constrained. Let's say you're a fashion photographer. Are you going to hire me who can shoot fashion? I have shot fashion. Are you going to hire the guy who specializes in fashion? You don't got the budget to redo this thing. You don't, you can't. So you're just going to hire the specialist and you're going to make sure that your investment's taken care of. Um, So I was losing jobs just because I wasn't a specialist in anything. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, he could do it, but is he going to be great at it? So when it came to sports and and eventually fitness, there was no one competing against me. That was was it. And, you know, flash forward, long time. Um, Now it's, it's hard to compete with me on that. Sure, there's lots of competitors in it, but, you know, depends on the client depends on the user goals but try to compete with me in you know number of magazine features i've shot can't do it i've shot close to 700 covers um it's not going to happen uh now if a person's goal is not magazine covers that doesn't mean shit right but for my clients and the people i'm trying to target it is um so you know i'm leaning into that strength i'm leaning into what differentiates me whether it's how I light, how I work with clients, uh, the, the results that that I can provide. All these are areas that I can do that any competitor of mine cannot compete with me in. So I just focus on those, and that becomes my unique differentiator. I love that. You talk about that in your book, too, The Fit Business Guide, about just niching down, very granular. And then, yeah, like just like you, you started very, very small, and now it looks like for the naked eye, like, but he's a coach. He's a podcast. He's a public. He has a. He's a speaker. He has his event. It's like it didn't always start that way. It started very, very, very niche, and now you're able to expand. So, and I think that's probably. I don't know if that's what you would say. I was going to ask you. You know, what is the most common mistake that these fitness entrepreneurs? What are they? What are they doing wrong? What are they making? I don't know. Is that what you'd say? Or, yeah. Well, that might be part of it. Is spreading themselves too thin, too fast, and it's you know it's kind of hard to grow so many things simultaneously. I I try not to grow a lot of things at the same time because 
I only have so much time in a day and so much bandwidth and so many so much revenue to hire people to do those things. So, um, you know, I, I focus on growing one thing at a time and I'm kind of in a pickle this year, um, total sidebar, but, uh, we're, we're, we rebranded our conference, which requires a kind of a rebuild in the marketing strategy. Um, it's almost like starting a new company, not entirely cause it's just a rebrand, but a little bit. And then we're, we're in another launch simultaneously. So I'm, I'm kind of breaking my own rule and I'm paying the price for it right now. It's a lot of, it's a lot, lot, lot more late nights than I would care for. Um, but everything has a season. Uh, the big mistake though, that I think a lot make is they will try to rely on reactive marketing versus proactive marketing. Reactive marketing is you see someone else's success and you try to reverse engineer what you see on the surface. And on the surface is, well, they put out a lot of social media content and they got a lot of followers and they do a lot of elaborate photo shoots. I'll just do all those things. And then you realize all of a sudden, well, we're all the clients, the phone's not ringing, the email's not dinging. And it, it's kind of like when people used to set up a website and just expect people to find this website. They're not looking, no one, no one cares. They're too busy. Um, this is all reactive, you know, having social media, it's reactive. Having a website is reactive. Now, I'm not, am I saying don't have social media? Don't know. You, you need these assets, but you need to use these assets. You can't just set them up and hope that someone will eventually find them. The way I grew the photo business, I already said, I called people. Every lunch hour I had, I was calling clients. When I was off work, I was calling prospective clients. Um, every sick day I had, I cashed it out for eight hours of work or business development and building building my side house. I did the same thing with vacation days. Um, I had to reach out to people. I had to show them what I could do for them. And that's proactive marketing. That is seeing, I wanna work with this client right over here. I know the client, I know who they are. I know what I can do for them. And I'm gonna propose what I can do for them. Now, showing that I can work for them means I got to know them a little bit. I have to do a little bit of research into who they are, into what they do, into what they need. Uh, and whether it's a magazine or an ad agency or just an individual who I can provide excellent services to, I need to be able to show in my pitch, in my proposal, this is what I do for you. Here's the problem I solve for you. Here's the solution or the benefit I am giving you, which will help you achieve your goal or satisfy your want or your need. Um, and I pitch pretty aggressively. To this day, I still pitch constantly. Every week, I have time on my calendar that I am pitching prospective clients for work. And if I don't do that, I will not have. Hold on, a James business. Patrick, over 700. Plus, you know, magazine shots still actively pitches people. Mm -hmm. Wow. All the time. Yeah, wow. all the time. I, it, and so when we think about pitching, I think this is important. Like there's this thought that, well, I don't want to be too pushy. I don't want to be too salesy. Um, I don't want to offend them and push them away. Um, pitching... It's just another word for building great relationships. I just picked up this new uh, publishing client, uh, and this company owns it looks like twenty different magazine titles um, throughout the throughout the Southwest. And you know, thus far, it's been a pretty pretty successful 
uh, financially speaking and creatively, uh, relationship. Um, this took a couple of years. I've, I, I've been connected to this editor for several years. Um, now they had another photographer or they were getting assets contributed or what, for whatever reason they weren't hiring me. Um, until, you know, and I'm continuing building the relationship, sending out materials every now and then, um, just keeping the pulse there, right? Until uh, at one point, their photographer, I, I think she said they were out of the country, they're on vacation. Hey, my photographer can't make this assignment. Can you fill in? Yes, I can. I've been waiting. I've been on deck, like a baseball player. I'm on deck. Um, put me in. And, you know, it, it was a success. And I've received, I don't know, half a dozen projects since then. Um, and so often, that is how it happens. You know, I, I spent 10 years shooting for uh, this one magazine, Max Sports and Fitness magazine, shot every cover for 10 years, so over 100, 100 issues together. And it was because they accidentally ran a photo of mine with um, uh, an incorrect photo credit. And... I, I contacted the editor. I'm like, hey, just want to let you know this happened. And she was, you know, as, as a pure journalist, quite mortified that there was any errors in, in the publication. I'm like, no worries. I was a journalist too. Let me tell you about the time I screwed up the biggest in my journalism career. And I had the biggest error print in, in an article I was working on. And that that was it. And it was like, okay, now we have a connection. And that, that turned into a small feature, which turned into a cover, which turned into, you know, 100 plus covers with that with that one client. Um, so pitching can mean a lot of different things. And it's not about being too pushy or being too salesy. Your job, and I don't care what you do, your job is to show people how you can help them. Mm -hmm. And if that is your posture, here is how I help you. Help is not that's not salesy. That's not schmarmy. That's not, that's not aggressive. That's offering support. That's offering service. That's offering solutions. And if you keep that in mind as you're pitching yourself and as you're positioning yourself to your prospective clients, you're going to make a lot more sales. I mean, sales requires two things. It requires one, you care about the person that you're positioning to and the fact that you've done research on them imputes that you care. You cared enough to spend the time to do some research into what they want or need. And then number two is you believe in what you're positioning. I believe in my photos. I know my photos sell magazine covers. I have data that shows that covers I've shot became the top selling issues of that title. Okay. And I could take that to other publications and say, listen, I've had X number of top selling titles. On top of the, you know, all the covers, these numbers were top selling. And that's important to you. It's important to you. It's important to your readers. It's important to your advertisers that you have a top selling issue. And I want to create this for you. Um, the fact that I believe in what I'm doing and I care about the people I'm positioning to, this is not, this is not aggressive sales. This is not trying to take something that you don't deserve. This is caring about the people you're, you're, talking to and trying to offer them a solution. Yeah. Love that. Also, what I find so unique about what you do specifically, and I never, and you talked about, it, I want to go back really quick. You were a photographer, but you have these relationships with media outlets and companies. I wanted to ask you, in my opinion, the average photographer doesn't have this, correct? Like they just shoot photos and then they move on. Are you, to me, like, are you like the only guy that that has this when, or and when people come to see you, they know like, oh, if this guy's taking my photos, I'm gonna be in a in a big magazine. 
Yeah, I think that goes back to reactive approaches. Um, the assumption being that they'll just call at some point, they being, you know, media outlets, they'll call, they'll see my work and they'll call me and they'll start to hire me. They're just not going to. Um, I worked when I was in college, um, after I made the transition from journalism to photojournalism, I worked as a photo editor for both a newspaper and a magazine. And that doesn't mean I edit photos. It means I manage the photo department and I assigned photographers and I selected which images appeared where in a, in a publication, what, whether this is the front page photo of a newspaper or the cover of a magazine, that was, that was my decision. So I got very aware of what photos work. So it made sense to me that that would be a logical marketing step is to target publications because I know media, I worked in media and just so I know what works. I was a photo editor. I know what you need. Let me make you what you need. Uh, so my mantra was I don't take photos. I make images that work. There's a difference. Anyone can take a good photo. You yeah. know, technology makes it so anyone can take a good photo. Uh, but to make an image that works, that's a little different. Um, and that just became something that I really honed in at. Now, there are many photographers who were earned media, magazine features, all that stuff. That's just not not of interest to them. It doesn't need to be. Um, you know, I mean, there's a whole new industry, new within the past you know, eight years, um, of just content creation. You know, I mean, there's never been a greater need for quantity of content, uh, especially for, you know, people who are very active on socials. Um, and that is a completely new market that we would not have seen coming prior to. Uh, and it's it can become a very lucrative market for lots of photographers. Now, is that something I really want to push into? Mm, I don't know. Um, it, it's kind of a little bit outside my my style. To, to focus on quantity over over quality um, not that they can't take great photos it's just it's just a completely different creative approach to the shoot so there are photographers who come up with package offers for for these influencers and for uh, these prospective clients that I mean they're just crushing it and I honestly I was pitched that idea like I don't know 10 years ago or so I was shooting for my friend owned an ad agency at the time and he popped his head up, you know, in the middle of a project. He says, Hey James, you ever thought about doing like a subscription photography service? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, people pay a monthly retainer and they get access to you. I don't know, X amount of hours per month. Uh, if they don't use it, they lose it. I'm like, nah, that would never work. Oh, was I so wrong? Was I so damn wrong? Not only does that work, it works exceedingly well. Uh, as, as we've seen proven not only by photographers, but he went on to start a, a very, very successful graphic design agency uh, using the same model of unlimited design services for one monthly fee. Um, and it's that that right there, a resistance to, to change, a resistance to ideas, not having your head on a swivel, uh, resting on one's laurels, uh, all things, all things to, to keep in mind to, to reduce the, the next failure. Yeah. Talk about earned media and why, in your opinion, is it the fastest way to grow compared to any other? I mean, there's so many things we could do. Facebook ads mm -hmm. and um, you name it, um, getting on another podcast or whatever, or paying for TV. Mm -hmm. But in your opinion, yeah, earned media. Talk about that. I would put 
podcast spots in in earned media because all of it is it's a platform you earn it's getting in front of an audience and you earn the right to get in front of that audience and the reason I lean into earned media more than advertising, and I still do advertising for for at least two of my companies, um, but I don't do it as much as I used to. And if given the choice of do I want to run an ad or would I rather have an earned media spot, I'm always going to lean towards the earned media spot. One of the primary reasons is earned media gets four times the engagement that paid advertising gets. All right, so let's just look at like apples to apples. If I buy a full page ad in a magazine um, that is worth having a four page feature in that same magazine that would be an editorial feature four pages that is a lot of ink that you can put in front of of an audience and as audience members our attention spans are so finite and we're so adept to tune out advertisements that advertising has become increasingly difficult um, even with the amount of of intel and analytics we get um, you know recent changes in os platforms have have now limited the data we can we can mine on our on our prospective audiences which has made advertising even more difficult advertising is always going to get more difficult which makes it more expensive uh which makes it more frustrating for small business owners yeah. uh but earned media it's it's free and we are not as as consumers as as people who who consume content we are not tuning out native content we are not turning out pure editorial content. That is what we're looking for. When we open up a magazine, we want to know what's in this publication. When we listen to a podcast, we have bought into the worldview of whatever the podcast is. We recognize that host. We seek out that host. And anyone that host has on, we know that host vouched for them. And right there, you know, you land a podcast spot, you're in front of an audience that is giving you attention and attention is is currency um and with so many people tuning out so much to get in front of an audience and earn their attention and provide something of interest or value or entertainment or uh, education or inspiration and whatever the platform is now you're building trust now you're building rapport now you're giving this audience a reason to enter into your ecosystem, to enter into your world, to learn more about who you are and what you do, and most importantly, learn about why you matter to them. And when you answer that third question, why you matter to them, you're answering what you can do for them, ultimately. Yeah, awesome. In is there are there like steps? You know, if someone's listening to this right now, they're a fitness entrepreneur, just an entrepreneur in general. Is, are there any, is there a step or a framework or maybe what's the first step that we should all be taking? in order to kind of get this earned media. And I don't know, your answer might be, Joel, like I already told you, it's be proactive. But I don't, is there is there anything else you might say to that? So what's interesting is <clears throat> I wrote these four steps on how to earn media and I've I've spoken on it uh, extensively and I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not gonna hide them. I'll, I'll share the four steps. Um, but where the four steps came from, I don't often share. I think it's actually important. Um, the four steps, of how to earn media originally came from a presentation I gave when I was working in my marketing career. Uh, I, I had to give a, an inner office presentation to, it was, I think it was at one of our regional team meetings on um, uh, client relationship management uh, for marketing and business development. 
and I basically thought about the life cycle of a client, uh, which is 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 best I could systemize it was in four phases. The first phase, which I've alluded to a little bit, was researching in to understand the client's wants and needs, uh, really getting a sense of what this client is struggling with right now, what their obstacles are right now, what their aspirations are right now, what challenges they might have uh, right now, really getting a sense of, of their current status. From there comes the pitch. This is where you're proposing, this is what I can do to either give you a clear solution or benefit or uh, help you overcome this challenge or obstacle or give you the aspiration or the want or the need that you are striving for. The third thing is we have to deliver. You can't you can't fall down when you get the opportunities. You actually have to you have to reinforce why they took a chance on you. And then the fourth thing is is you stay in touch to to nurture that relationship over time because when you do that, it goes back to that first step. You find out what they need next. And this is how, you know, when I worked at at the uh, at my marketing job, and we would have, there was one client where we were getting something like ninety five percent of their their public sector projects, which was unheard of because we just did this over and over and over again. We knew what they wanted. We showed how we were the best people to give them what they wanted. We absolutely knocked out of the park when we were given those opportunities, and we stayed in touch to find out what they needed next. And around and around and around it went. Um, so even during the recession, when we, you know, when other areas of the company were struggling, that one sector, we were crushing it because we were honoring that relationship. So when I thought about how I earn media or how I land magazine features, I realized it's the same thing. I have to know what that magazine wants or what that podcast wants or what that TV feature, what they want. And really, that's just answering what they want for their audience what their audience wants, that's really what you're answering. Two, I then got to pitch myself. I got to reach out to that magazine and say, here's what I want to do for you. And here's why this is going to be good for your audience. Um, then I got to deliver it. I got to knock this out of the park. Okay. And and for me, delivering on earned media is not just taking the photos. It's ensuring the success of the feature that came out. So, you know, like when I'm on this podcast, I'm going to shout this podcast out to my audience. I want to ensure that this podcast does well. It does well for you. It does well for your numbers. It, it 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 helps you out, because otherwise, I was just you know kind of run and gunning, and that that doesn't build trust over time. That that helps no one over time. And then stay in touch to find out what happens next, what you need next. Maybe and maybe it's not even me. Maybe I can just connect you with someone else who'd be great for your for your show and for your audience. But that keeps the relationship alive. And this can go around and around and around again. This is how I turn one feature into decades worth of, of work, and not just for one client, for many clients. And 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 what's nice is you know a lot will say, well, magazines are going out, print is dead. Yes, it's absolutely shifting, but my relationships have gone nowhere. Those are rock solid. And yeah, uh, Max Sports and Fitness Magazine does not exist anymore but I have an amazing relationship with that editor and she has taken me to every company she's gone to and work has followed, um, you know, with, with the, the editor of Scott's a health magazine, which, you know, she left that publication and I've worked with her now at three other, uh, media outlets, relationships go with you. You're not making a relationship with the company. You're making a relationship with that 
person. And that's what's great is you build up enough of that equity. That's your job security right there. So amazing. Step four, mind-blowing. I love that you said that. It's something that I never did in the past. And maybe with only in the last year, I've really honed in on that. And I'll tell you, it's paid dividends. And to be honest, um, I just love to do it, though. Like, I love to connect with if – if you're connecting with me on my podcast, like, for some reason, like you said, I like you already. Like, I bought into you we're we're to me it's like we're already mutual friends somehow and uh i'm already looking now i'm already thinking how can i promote this person how can i help this person and it Mm -hmm. it just makes me feel good but the law of reciprocity man things always come back i don't look for it but it it happens and um i i don't think enough people focus on that step four that that is huge i love that you said that yeah i think it's more of a shotgun approach and and they're trying to hit uh the numbers and i i get that uh, as as someone who's been in positions where I want to you know generate revenue quickly, um, but also long term strategy, and just even take out the word strategy, long term everything, success, fulfillment, uh, equity, relationships, like you know all of it. Um, you have to look beyond this this kind of short term, and it's it's it, it's pretty. Um, I'll be honest, as someone who's you know works for lots of magazines and, and you know, I have my podcast. Um, it really sucks when when you kind of get burned after after giving someone an opportunity. Um, I mean, yes, you, you're taking a chance when you air this episode. Your audience, maybe they don't like it, and and that could be uh, dangerous for you because you you do not want to lose audience members. Same with you know, I run I run a magazine. You know, we put someone on the cover that people absolutely hate. I may lose readers, and. Trying to build a media agency, I don't have readers to lose. Okay, that that is not something I can really afford to lose. So, you know, we agonize over these decisions. So when someone uh, kind of burns us and doesn't celebrate the opportunity we gave them, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Um, yeah. But the flip side, when when they do and they're celebrating it and they're sharing it and they're 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 getting new listeners and new readers and new subscribers like then we just want to work with them again and again and again and again and and that's that's how that relationship becomes mutually beneficial like you know when people pitch to be on my show or to be in in the magazine um you know the pitch say well i'd love to be in your magazine okay (laughs) and uh, but the pitches that work are here's what i can do for your magazine Here's what I can write for your magazine. Here's what I could talk about on your show uh, that I think would be good for your audience. And it's asking the same thing, put me in, but completely different intention. Not just put me in because I would love it. Here's what I want to do for your audience. And if that's your pitch, and by the way, that's one sentence. Here's what I want to be on your show, and I want to talk about earned media and how your audience can leverage the power of earned media to amplify their authority and to generate leads for their business. Boom. I've very clearly, in one sentence, told you what I want to do for your audience. So for those listening in, when you're looking at different media outlets, what do you want to do for them? Put it into a sentence. That's your pitch. They'll look into who you are. I I get about one to two pitches a day for people to be on my show, and I don't know if I ever read bios at first. I don't know if it matters. What I read first are topics. What can you speak on? What could you be interviewed on? Does this match my audience? Yes or no? If it's no, delete it. If it's yes or maybe, then I'll read the bio. 
and honestly, so many people that I've had on my show is like, okay, who are they? And that's not an insult. That's the point. Earned media is not for mega celebrities. Earned media is for the person who's pitching. I, you know, like prior to us being connected, I didn't know you, you didn't know me. And that's the point. Yeah. We're not these mega big celebrities. We are people who've chosen to share something of value and put that in front of these different audiences. And it's landed us these, these various platforms. Yeah. So amazing. I was laughing as you were telling the story. I'm like, that's kind of how we met. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talk, talk a little bit about habit hacking. I know this is something that you have kind of dived into, you know, in your own life, uh, just more even recently amongst all the success and everything else you've been doing the photography, but talk about habit hacking and why you found it just such, such a great value. So I was kind of noticing these trends, you know, interviewing people from journalists to you now a podcaster. Um, And I noticed that people who were exceptionally successful, and when I say successful, and this is the one time I'll use um, conditional metrics. So like, you know, they're earning a lot of money. They they seem to have a great family. uh, They live a a, a very, um, what seems to be from the outside looking in, a very um, enjoyable and and fulfilled lifestyle. Um, What are they doing? Because something is going to be left as a clue here. Um, and not that, you know, if <laughs> I, I always laugh because uh, I remember when I was training for another lifetime, I was training for a physique competition. There's this guy who went to my gym who was like this Adonis. I was like, if I could just look like this guy, like I'll take home every damn trophy that they have. They'll just give me trophies for competition. They didn't even know they were throwing. That's how, that's how good looking this guy was. And I'll just be like, well, Maybe I'll follow him around the gym and just do whatever he does. Like just five minutes behind him. That's a good plan. Then I'll follow him to the grocery store. I'll just buy whatever he buys because he's got it figured out. Um, (laughs) I don't even know how I got on that. But the point is, is that success is going to leave clues, right? Now, what I do specifically in my day might not work for someone else. But there are themes, there are categories that we can congregate this information around. And after talking to so many people, I realized that really every successful person I ever talked to had four major categories that they invested time into. And the order of the investment was important because I was doing it backwards. I thought, well, they focus on business and business and business and business and business and business. And then at some point they leave time for everything else exact opposite. Number one priority, physical health. Number one priority. Every single person, number one priority. They, they took care of their bodies, whether that meant uh, how they worked out, whether that meant um, the nutrition, they took care of their physical body. Um, now, that means different things to different people. For some, it just meant going for a walk once a day. And for others, it meant absolutely destroying themselves in a CrossFit gym. Completely different approaches, same same habit, okay? Second area was they nourished their minds. Some form of gratitude or meditation or journaling where they are taking time to ground their minds and, and almost almost in a a stoic philosopher approach 
of understanding what they control and letting go of everything they do not control. Okay. Number three was relationships. These were not individuals on islands. You know, I, I, there's this expression with entrepreneurs that's so lonely at the top. And I've met very profitable entrepreneurs who are so, it's sad how lonely they are. It's because they have not prioritized relationships. Um, relationships like that right there is, is such an integral part to what I define as success, what I define as fulfillment. And, and I saw it shared by so many that they were celebrating the people in their lives. And then the fourth was business. Fourth, still in the top four, but it was four. And so as I was kind of orchestrating my approach, those became really just four tenants. And for me, like I have different things I do. Like, you know, I, I have these small goals that you and I talked about that on my show that, that I just won't skip in the day. Like, like I have an exercise goal every day. It's 20 minutes. Now I was in the gym for 90 minutes this morning. That's way more than 20 minutes, but the minimum is 20 minutes, you know, uh, meditating one minute, one minute. Well, I think I did 10 minutes today. Uh, journaling one page. I, I only did one page today. I, I, I didn't go beyond one page, but sometimes I go more, right? So it's these tiny attainable habits and it's the, it's the prioritization of the habits that all of a sudden now, when I look at doing something that is more challenging or difficult, it doesn't seem as hard. It doesn't seem as, as insurmountable. The other thing that I really focused on outside of the habits was how I organized my efforts because so many people at the start of the year, they set these really big lofty goals for themselves. And then six months in, maybe they forgot about the goal or maybe they remember the goal, but now it's coming right up to the time when they said they were going to do it. And now it seems impossible, right? Like I'm going to get down to X number of pounds by July 1st and we're at June 30th and shit. Um, but if we were to take that and we were to break it down, like, like I'll use my conference as an example. I want to host a conference this year. Well, that come time to hosting a conference is a ginormous endeavor. But if I break this down into the minute, so today, today I'm working on a media kit. That's all I'm doing today. I don't have to worry about the website. That's tomorrow. Uh, I don't have to worry about advertise advertisement design that's next week. I don't have to worry about bidding at hotels that's in three weeks. I don't have to worry about um, opening up ticket sales that's that's in two weeks. Today, I'm working on the media kit. And I can work on a media kit. That's finite. I can do that today. All right. So I took this idea of hosting a conference and I broke it down into what needs to happen each quarter for this conference to kick off. Okay, now let's take this quarter that's three months. What needs to happen in each of these three months? Okay. Each month is about four weeks. What needs to happen in each of these four weeks? 12 for the quarter. Okay. What needs to happen this week? What needs to happen this day? So I just basically took, and this was something I didn't, I didn't do with like 
an end user. I was doing this for myself. I just made this Excel sheet for myself that I managed for 12 years. And I would wow. just put in my goals for the year, break those goals into quarters, break those quarters into months, break those months into weeks. And then I was like, well, I would just take this Excel sheet and then I would literally just doodle in a in a little notebook like here's what I here's my day and I got tired of doodling uh so I was like well I'll just design it and print it for myself and after having that for a while uh, some of my clients saw this is well can we have that I said yeah sure so I just had my designer package it in a pdf and we sent it off to all of our clients and we said use it for a year and I don't know let us know what you think and we got all this great feedback on this thing uh, after a year of of putting it in people's hands and having them do it, that we then turned it into something, and that became my legacy planner, or not my legacy planner, the legacy planner, my the legacy planner, and it, the the approaches how you build your annual goals. So there's a section for annual goals, and then from your annual goals, you break them into quarterly plans. From your quarterly plans, you break them into monthly actions. From your monthly actions, you break them into weekly sprints. And from your weekly sprints, you break them into daily tasks. So it is an annual planner that it has sections for annual, quarter, month, weeks, and every single day. And then as you're prioritizing your days, we have our habits listed right in here. Health, mindset, relationships and growth. I call business growth because I think mm -hmm. this is how we, we grow ourselves professionally. So we are honoring not only the habits that I've learned help curate success, but we're helping you break down what you want to achieve so it's actually achievable, so it's actually attainable. So it was really cool that we were able to take this thing that, like I said, I've used it for 10 years just myself. Uh, before I was ever even even remotely thought about sharing it with anyone else, so it's we've had some had some nice user testing to to put this into motion. Uh, that's amazing. I had a high level coach actually teach me what you just talked about, and uh, I don't know if he got it from you or, or what, or he got it or he got the idea from someone else. But or we got it from um, the same person because. It's I mean, so universal, which is great. Yeah, but it, really cool that you put it into a planner. I'm definitely have to check that out. I, I have uh, just around my, I have like a gratitude journal, and I have like five. I love planners. I've got like five different ones, and I'll use them differently. I like to change based on what I just you know depends what I'm going through. But the legacy planner, I got to get that one. I am such a whore for planners. <laughs> like I got like ten journals around me. Um, so I released it for free. Uh, the uh, free PDF, if anyone wants it, you could just download it and just use it. Uh, if you just go to jamespatrick.com forward slash legacy, you could just download it and just try it. Uh, and if you find that it makes you more focused and more efficient, then it worked. Um, and that's the nice thing about this approach is there's no, like I give instructions on how to use it, but this is choose your own adventure. You use it how it benefits you. Like that's why the categories of the goals don't tell you to work out for 20 minutes a day. It just says health. You choose what that is for you. You you know what you need to do to achieve the outcome and the results that you want to achieve. It just gives you the the framework for that. So yeah, we released that. Like you, you can get a hard copy off Amazon, but if you yeah. just want to try it out, yeah, just download the free PDF. Love that. I I'm looking at the time. I know we're running up on the hour. I think you have a hard stop in like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, I got a couple more questions to ask you, sure. but we won't even we won't get to them. I, I I'll have to. Uh, I, I I foresee a second episode with you, my friend. Sequels, um, I love it. Uh, 
really quick because I want I want you to leave and just let everybody know where they can find you. But um, any any exciting projects? I mean, you got the conference coming up at the end of the year in October, I believe. But anything else you want to just kind of tell people about that you're doing? So glad you brought up the conference because it's going to be in May this year. Oh, May. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we so no, you were right to say October because every other year we've done it in October. Um, but we, I've, I've run the Fitposium conference for uh, eight years, um, and we are now going into our ninth year and decided, you know what, it's time to retire that brand. What Fitposium was and what the conference has evolved into are two different things, and we needed to, we needed to honor that. So we have rebranded it as Get Published Live, and the focus of the conference is very simple. We help professionals earn media. So we not only are going to teach you how to earn media, but we're going to directly connect you with top magazines, top podcasts, top TV, and top digital features that are casting for features right at the event. Um, so um, not sure when this is going to go, when this podcast will go up, but I'll just say because we're in, we're in open mode right now, it's going to be live by the time you go to the website. So if you go to getpublished.live, passes will be available. It's virtual and in person, whichever you prefer. Very cool. Man, uh, amazing. I got so much stuff more to, to ask you, but again, we'll come back for a part two. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be there. I got to look at the dates, but um, yeah. We'd love to have you there. Is, this, yeah, this is exciting. Um, James Patrick, last but not least, where can people connect with you, find you, learn more about you, and uh, get some amazing photos done and get featured in some earned media? Yeah. Instagram, it's home for so many people. Uh, J Patrick Photo is my handle. Awesome. Thanks so much, man, for being on the show. I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you.